1: a powers the world's best podcasts.
0: Here's a show that we recommend.
1: What do you do when no one else is watching? What do you do that makes you happy for no reason at all? What are you obsessed with? I'm Leslie Arfin, and I'm a writer, but I'm also a dancer, a painter, a vapor, a dollhouse enthusiast, and basically just an overall hobbyist. My podcast, Filling the Void, is all about what other people are
2: fanatically into, we talk about hobbies, even if you don't have one. Listen to Filling the Void on Tuesdays on the Erios Network. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Acast.com <laughs> Hi, it's Dave here, and this is my wife, Cathy. Hello. This is the Cinemile, the podcast where we used to walk home from the movies. <laughs> uh, and today we're doing our spoiler-free end-of-year movie roundup where we go through our personal top five list, each of us. Sorry, we are with our kids as well. We are being fed i feeding
4: them banana as we record as is the professionalism yes. of this podcast
3: so you may occasionally <laughs> hear some you hear conversation screaming
4: for banana screaming.
3: Um, but yeah we're out, for, we're out for a nice walk to cap off the this, this year and salvage <laughs> what what is left of it <laughs>
4: the wonderful year that was 2020 particularly a wonderful year for cinema goers
3: yeah, yeah. so look so what you're going to hear as I said no spoilers for any movies here Uh, any movies from 2020 um, you'll hear each of our top five personal favourite movies from this year Uh, uh, neither of us know each other's lists as always
4: we get quite a thrill from our list reveal
3: yeah oh thrilling and uh, (laughs) the we'll uh, we'll also shout out some honourable mentions some movies that we saw this year that didn't quite make our list but we think are worth your attention Um, and also our worst movie of the year each and uh, more importantly we're going to hear from you guys, so we put the call out um, for to hear some of your best and worst of the year, and, and we're going to hear some voice notes from our uh, family and from our patrons. Uh, so, with that said, Kathy, oh my god, it's mucky here. It's
4: very mucky. Um, we also need to like do a very strong caveat on this podcast oh yeah. that you guys will all appreciate as well as regular moviegoers. Um, we normally do about fifty episodes a year, right? And go to the cinema every week. This year, I lost On top year. of
3: watching movies, on at top home. of
4: watching like you know new movies at home, um, this year we managed to do about twenty-five episodes of the podcast, which I'm proud of, given we had a new baby and it's a pandemic. But let's be honest, most of them weren't good movies. We we ended uh, cinema going on a high in March with Parasite. We came back in August for Tenet. In between that, we were watching things that streaming services deign to release. So. Also, we're not um, film critics, and a lot of film critics get sent screeners. They also get to go to cinemas during the day to watch maybe small releases. We don't have access to any of that. So what I'm saying is this is the worst movie list I've ever had in the history of this (laughs) podcast. Usually, we agonise over our list. We have so much to choose from. If I'm being honest, I could barely scrape a top five this year. Uh, All my labour and love went into the... TV roundup of the year because it was a great year for TV. And I know there were lots is of nice. available on
3: the podcast feed it's now already as well, by the way.
4: Um, And I know, you know, there were lots of good movies this year, but frankly, we didn't get to see most of them because of the nature in which they were released.
3: Yeah, and also, uh, I mean, look, my, my list is the same. Easily, it was a bit of a struggle to pull this together. Um, but also, it's worth saying that that's not to say 2020 didn't have a load of amazing movies released. We just didn't see them. Like, could not see them. I've been trying to see St. Maud everywhere Uh, it's not available we couldn't get like the cinemas were closed when it was released I know a lot of people did see it and that's on their list Uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire haven't seen that you know there's 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 loads of end of year film lists that are apparently packed with amazing movies that we just did not see but we did see the Eurovision movie and uh, the Old Guard and Extraction and anything that Netflix had or Prime Video so look that's the lot we're dealt with but that said um, there's still some cracking movies that we did see this year, uh, and well, let's get right into our, our top five of the year. Uh, I'll start. My number five movie that I saw this year was in the cinemas, and it was at the very beginning of the year when they were open, and it was 1917, the Sam Mendes World War One movie, uh, which is probably the last sort of great cinema experience we had in terms of like an experience and this is a movie that is I would say very much intended to uh, be seen in, on cinema screens and is better for it um,
4: it's made for the big screen oh yeah
3: and it is an it is an experience it's like it's a it, I felt immersed I felt like I was in the trenches with these two lads it's a very intimate um, way of presenting a, a, a story you know from sort of in, in, in completely real time uh, and i was absolutely caught up in it and engrossed um i thought it was an incredibly an incredible technical achievement by both um roger deacons and uh, sam mendes the uh, the two uh, leads are excellent really hold our attention it was a quite emotional in parts um and uh, i think that the only weak point which you pointed out when we reviewed it at the beginning of the year was like this sort of unnecessary uh, cast of big British faces <laughs> um, that yeah. that kind kind of take you out of it. When it's like, oh, there's Colin Firth, there's Benedict Cumberbatch. It's <laughs> like, no, it's like, that kind of killed it for me because the two um, uh, leads, uh, besides, are relatively unknown. I've seen them in a few things, but it was easy to sort of just get, uh, get immersed yeah. in these young British soldiers in this in this world and then it's oh no there's Mark Strong um, so you, you know what I mean it kind yeah. of just takes you out of it a bit but look uh, an absolutely incredible achievement a very personal achievement for Sam Mendes because it was based on his grandfather's experiences I, I believe um,
4: inspired by inspired by his grandfather yeah. was a messenger in World War 1
3: um, and really in the year that is 2020 looking back I was just I'm, I'm glad we got to have that kind of experience And it's something that Is now kind of At risk I would say
4: It feels going like into the future a thousand years ago That we saw that movie <laughs> It really I, does I, It was I think it was before Our second son was born It was in January And it was obviously Before the pandemic So I, I genuinely Can barely remember The experience But I did love it Okay my number five Of the year Is Elliot is now okay. Screaming for snacks So we'll we're going to Pause break. it for have a second go,
3: Yeah yeah We're going to take a break <laughs> Take a break already <laughs> And come back in a second I'm going home to see my mother
1: And all my loved
5: ones who've gone on I'm only going over Jordan
1: I'm only going
3: over home. Okay, we're back. We might have a few more intermissions like that <laughs> for, uh, for a spot of parenting.
4: And what you just heard was the theme music in 1917. Now, uh, I'm and Kathy's
3: bu- just decided
4: that <laughs> Dave, I'm going to
1: do later. That's am a, I? That's Great. what you're
4: inserting there. Right, um, I hope I remember. <laughs> so, my number five of the year is. A movie I'm picking primarily for the experience of seeing it in the cinema more than anything else, and it is Tenet. After oh, I a remember long, Tenet. long um, break from cinema, we finally got to go back. We were so excited, we were basically hysterical. Uh, we do have a full episode review of Tenet, by the way, on our main feed, as we do with uh, 1917. Um, and Tenet is a complicated movie, like as we mentioned, we did a shout out on Twitter for best and worst movies of the year. And you don't you don't mean be,
3: complicated in the way that no, it's, it's
4: complicated. Well, it's it's a complicated movie. It
3: doesn't have, it's not controversial. It's it's,
4: it's literally
3: is, complicated.
4: But on our on our uh, the best and worst that a lot of you guys submitted to us on Twitter, it seems to sit 50-50 between both best and worst lists, which is very unusual. Yeah. Um, I'm on I the can fence. See why. I'm on the fence with it. If I'm honest, like there was parts of the movie We're not on the
3: fence. It's your number five movie Did of the year. Let me explain.
4: Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, I'm on the fence, in that. In a normal year, there's no way this movie would have cracked my top five because I had a lot of issues with it. But I absolutely loved the experience. Fair play to Christopher Nolan. He's intent on bringing cinemas back to the big uh, films back to the cinema and the big screen. I truly admire Christopher Nolan for what he did, releasing it in the summer when it was safer to release the film. And I, as much as I kind of couldn't make head nor tail of a lot of the movie. I was just so happy to be in the cinema and it's honestly one of my highlights of 2020 sitting in the cinema watching Tenet yeah. so thanks Christopher Nolan I don't normally time. love your movies didn't quite love Tenet either but it cracked my top 5 for the year this in
3: it okay um, awesome I've forgotten what my number 4 is and I can't <laughs> find my list here so hold the line so hold professional us. there it is okay so this is a, a movie that we saw on TV and was released on TV, um, and I'm not sure. Is this? I think they are movies. So uh, the Steve McQueen's series of sh- uh, movies that he did for BBC that were aired uh, a few months ago called Small Acts, um, and my number four is Lovers Rock, um, which is uh, I think the second one that was released. Uh, we've seen two of the five so far, and they were both excellent. But uh, Lovers Rock, in particular, um, I've I, is is made my list because of the year that's in it in particular, in which we social occasions have essentially been benched <laughs> um, for and and will be for the sort of foreseeable future. And what Lovers Rock did, it did many things incredibly uh, well. But for me, what it gave me was. I got to experience a house party. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Again,
4: we were watching it, and we were like, so happy to be watching it, and also saying, we wish we were
3: at a party. It was I, oh, the like, but I felt like I was there. It was like what Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen has a very naturalistic sort of filmmaking style, anyway, which I always like. You know, he, he likes to um, dwell in in moments. Uh, you know, so like the one that always stands out to me for some reason is shame um, and, you know, the uh, mopping, mopping the, the halls down the corridor When he spends, you know, minutes and minutes on that. And I think what, what you get in sort of intense movies like Shame is you get sort of time to reflect on the task of that and, and everything that's happening, which often you don't get with movies. They don't give you breathing room as an audience to reflect during the running time. Lovers Rock is different. It's, there's not much quiet time in this movie, but there is a there is long moments with, where Steve McQueen lets you just breathe it all in, right? And, and and that's that's extended scene, music scene. There's there's one track which plays. They they he leaves the track play in its entirety, and we're just watching people dancing, and then the audience the, the people at the house party just sing the whole track again. So you you just hear it twice. And I was just there in it. I felt it and there's kind of nothing more special in many ways or magical than a group of people singing together live,
1: mm-hmm.
3: particularly a cappella. Um so the energy and the sort of I'm going to say sort of the the passion and the sort of sexiness of a house party and dancing and the and life was just captured. So Incredibly and minutely um, by Steve McQueen, and I still like don't know how they did it. Like, how did they get a camera in that room? Like, it's it's a relatively small room for that many people, and a, and and what is a camera crew? Um, and so I felt like I was there, and uh, it, it was yeah, it was I would say a little bit like 1917. It was more of an experience than a story. Do you know what I mean? And it also felt that uh, they add another layer you know the, the, the theme throughout small acts is uh, i believe it's sort of set around the is it the british afro caribbean community in, in london between a very specific time frame right the so west indy the 70s west indy
4: uh, community in the 70s in london
3: yeah so that's the that's the setting for these five movies and that's the sort of a so that so that that sort of time and that community Was also new to me, Um, so I got to. I felt like I was time traveling. Yeah, it's amazing. It felt like it was both uh, new from that perspective and fresh, but also something intimately familiar. That human experience of coming together and just kind of losing yourself in music, and it just it just felt like living, which is something we didn't. A lot of us didn't really get. No, and crucially
4: for anyone in the UK who wants to watch it, and I believe in the US it's on Amazon in the UK it's all on iPlayer now so you can go off and watch it it's called Small Axe and there's five movies in it
3: yes Cathy okay. what's your number four of the year
4: my number four of the year is 1917 ah. so I won't go on about it too much because uh, Dave said a lot we also have done a full review of it um, and, I, and I loved it it was a brilliant film but it, it feels like a film a 2019 film to me it feels that long ago I know it was brilliant I remember being immersed in it it was truly wonderful but I don't have much more to say about it and again it's not I it's probably not a movie in a regular that would have cracked my top five purely because we would have seen so much since then and as I said it feels like a lifetime ago but it's an absolute spectacle of a film if you haven't seen it already and you are at home watch it on the biggest screen you can find and enjoy the immersive experience don't pause it Go to the toilet before you start watching it. Have yeah. your snacks in front of you because it's the kind of movie that would probably be killed by watching at home. And that's one of the reasons we really uh, enjoy the small acts films we watch because they're about an hour and 15 minutes. It's a lovely duration for watching at home. Um, but yeah, 1917, absolutely brilliant for all the reasons they've said and I totally recommend it and it was real highlighted this year going to see that movie
3: by the way I would take your sort of advice there for watching this movie with most movies that are should are watched at home that most movies will benefit from not you know, using the convenience of the pause button not getting up to make a cup of tea in the middle of it and
4: we're speaking you know, as people not, who kill every movie oh, we, do, we, we do
3: it, yeah I'm not above that we'll
4: pause a movie each three times we'll watch it over two nights and then we'll be like hmm, that movie didn't really grip me it's like wait no I don't think that's the movie's fault it's the fact that we're watching yeah. it at home and this is why we're a cinema podcast and not a stay at home watch movie on your couch podcast see,
3: see our recent review of Soul in which we, we destroyed that we movie soul. in the way we watched it but um, also,
4: Disney Plus released it on a streaming service, so what are we supposed to do?
3: Yeah,
4: I know. Uh, okay, Dave. Okay,
3: speaking of... Um,
4: number three of the year?
3: My number three of I'm the year... I'm
4: intrigued now, because I, I had guessed Small Axe and 1917 would be on your list, but now I'm curious, because I can't picture what else is on your list. <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh,
3: so the number three film I saw this year is not Soul, but if, you ta- if you'd asked me at the beginning of the year which which Pixar movie would make my list between Onward and Soul I'd have said Soul hands it'll be Soul but it's not it's Onward um, and it's a curious one because
4: Onward is your number three of the year let's just let that settle for a moment Onward is my this number three this is the, of the state of 2020
3: this is no 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 but I, I'm going to defend my choice now because it's not a
4: bad movie it's just like this is the state of 2020
3: it, objectively speaking <laughs> this is
4: <laughs> are you that. joking me? Let, me
3: let me let me let me defend my position here right because this is the thing with lists right they are ultimately this is my list this is very <laughs> subjective this isn't and it's also not I'm not this is my favourite films that I saw this year this isn't me saying um, Guys Lovers Rock Was an amazing piece of work By Steve McQueen But really You should check out Onward by <laughs> Pixar Because That's a better movie yeah. I'm not saying It's a better movie I'm saying It's my It's my third I look Fucking list of Nonsense anyway But like This is literally this, I, I, It's your third this most very, enjoyable It's very personal to me For many reasons That I'll get into now Right And
4: And I do have to say Funnily enough It's not on my list but I did contemplate having onward on my list purely because it's the one and only film we went to the cinema with our two boys yeah, this year. That's one and, of yeah, I
3: love that. That's one of the reasons I was going to outline. So we had firstly, it was a cinema experience that we had in 2020, <laughs> <Yeah>. which ultimately <laughs> elevates it a um, little higher than a lot of the movies yeah, we did see. A blurry. lot of the good movies. You it know? was
4: really special day for us.
3: So and and like Cathy said, yeah, it's the first. That will always be the first time the four of us went to the cinema as a family right so that's special for me
4: and crucially the only
3: <laughs> and and there are also you know the movie centers on two brothers right yeah. and i was imagining our two boys and them growing up and the relationship they'll have um so i was able to sort of see them up on the screen i was also able to put myself in the shoes of uh, the protagonist is a former awkward teenager who doesn't quite know his place in the world. I was also... I uh, also related because this was the year that I, because of lockdown and, and complete boredom, learned how to play Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> and that's largely what this movie kind of centres around, It this older brother who's obsessed with and sort can of I fantasy in role-playing. In as
4: the wonderful wife I am, I have played Dungeons & Dragons. Kathy indulged me. <laughs> uh, me.
3: And you, uh, you, you quite enjoy it. We've been playing it... Uh, since, what, April or May now, yeah. right? Uh, ongoing.
4: I kind of enjoy it. Yeah, all right. But I enjoy of. that you get very this happy. You, this is you
3: trying to distance yourself from Dungeons <laughs> & Dragons, which I get. Well, there's a stigma on We also play with them. Lockdown
4: Lizzie and my mom and my sister Jackie. We've got a whole Dungeons & Dragons group going. Yeah,
3: we've got a crew going. Um, so there's that. Um, and also, I I lost my dad this year. Um, and, and this movie is about... It largely centres around trying to just have one more conversation with with a, with a, with a father and i i am able to relate to that more than more than ever now and that sort of um, you know what would you give for that yeah. and and that's the that's the, by the way this isn't really a spoiler but that's the macguffin in this movie which i think is a beautiful touch because so, yeah. this is a fantasy movie and it could have been you've got to get the the orb of thalos or the concrete of um whatever you know you don't know but this is literally the stakes are they just get to spend a little bit of time with their with their lost father and yeah. and that's a stroke of genius to make that the center of the plot and it invests you from the beginning so while i'm not saying that this is not the this is not the third best movie made in 2020 <laughs> this isn't even the third best pixar movie for god's sakes you know, if if you'd told me, if you'd shown me this movie and said, "This is from DreamWorks Animations," I would have said, "Yeah, that yeah, makes it looks sense. like DreamWorks." It looks like in my them. memory,
4: it was DreamWorks. I didn't remember it was Pixar.
3: It doesn't feel very on-brand for Pixar, and in many ways, it's very it's quite by ugly. the numbers. Um,
4: I thought the animation was truly hideous for this movie.
3: But but where it does hit home that Pixar do, do well, and and for my money, do better here than they did in Seoul, is the emotional stakes and sort of punching you in the in the in the feel gut. Mm-hmm. And I got that several times throughout this movie uh and that and so that's why I'm I'm kind of ranking it so highly personally.
4: Okay, you've sold it. I'm pulling my shade back a bit. Uh for sure.
3: Draw your shade back. <laughs> lady. Okay.
4: My number 3 of the year is also a movie we saw pre-pandemic it was on a lot of people's lists for last year, but we saw it this March. Um and it's Parasite oh yeah <laughs> which is a, an in- it's also a
3: bit of a 2019 movie in that's any what ways. I'm saying yeah. but
4: we saw it in 2020 um, much like 1917 both those movies were on a lot of lists last year Parasite's an unbelievable movie a complete shock like nothing I've ever seen before we have a whole review of it on the, on the feed so I'm not going to go hugely into it but it's a truly unique experience I was privileged, I think both of us were, to catch it on the cinema right before lockdown and for it to have been our last experience at this cinema for such a long time because it it really was truly special. Such a unique movie. Absolutely deserved all the Oscar buzz and the Oscar win for Best Picture. Um, it's set in South Korea. It's... Uh, which isn't... I haven't seen very movies set there. It's, it's a truly... Really incredible and unique story Um, the direction is masterful it's like nothing you've ever seen before if you haven't caught Parasite just go and watch it it lives up to all the buzz, it's brilliant and if we'd seen it last year it definitely it probably would have been top of our list It's just I've seen just two movies that impacted me personally more this year because Parasite isn't quite you know you're talking about a gut punch and stuff Parasite isn't a movie that probably affected me very personally but it's certainly a movie that made me laugh my head off and just be totally bewildered and befuddled and enjoying and He's he's masterful. He's a masterful filmmaker and Yeah,
3: parasite's not necessarily doesn't have that emotional exactly. Impact, and I'm a g- schmuck, and you that
4: you know gets me. That will always get me at the top of. Well, the who's list. a bigger
3: schmuck? I had onward as number three. We <laughs> <laughs> got off the road. Um,
4: but yeah, so number three of the year for me was parasite. And just go and watch it if you haven't watched it. And and while it's of course better to see this movie in the cinema, it's not quite a 1917 in that you know you could quite enjoy it on a small screen. Yeah, at I, home I think
3: this would translate yeah. quite quite well. Um, right. So my. Number two movie this year is a uh, British movie again And this one's called Rocks um, And we saw this during the summer um, And it's on Netflix now, I believe
4: Can I just say that Rocks is my number two of the year as well? Oh really? Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about it together <laughs> so we can just talk about it and I think we, our lists are more similar than usual this year Just because of the lack of films we saw um, And we
3: did an episode on this uh, with Lou from The Shade Podcast Yeah Um, Which you can go back and listen to We had a great chat with her
4: We had a great chat with her And actually Shade Podcast Which is an amazing podcast Is just about to She has a new season Launching next week So go and subscribe And listen to her Because she's brilliant Um, But yeah we loved Rocks. What a treat What an unexpected treat This did get released In the cinema But it's on Netflix now And it funnily did very well In the cinema For a small uh, British movie Because of the fact That there was nothing else out It really helps this movie So that's a good thing
3: Um, Yeah and it's um It's Okay, I mean, we just mentioned sort of emotional impact and stakes and and I, I think this movie really delivers on that front. I was personally very emotionally invested in uh, the main character, Rox, and her uh, without t- saying too much about the, the plot, but it's about her trying to survive a difficult circumstance at home and um, kind of being t- torn between being a child, which she is, um, and also a, a Having responsibility thrust upon her, um, uh, and kind of becoming a mother to her younger brother Emmanuel, who is the most heartbreaking. Oh my God, Emmanuel! Uh, a heartbreaking little boy, and and d- just delightful little little guy. Uh, and that your, your heart will go out to
4: the, the. What's amazing about this movie is, like as Dave's outlining all that, like it's really important to say that um, Rocks is a black a teenage girl living in London and predominantly east London and predominantly the story is people of color and you know the year that was with the black lives matters movement bigger than ever um and you know how how little we get to see any stories outside of kind of the white stories on screen rocks is certainly a wonder to behold because not only is the cast of color it's directed by women. It's written by women. It was so collaborative. Like, the the amount of collaboration that went into rocks is quite something. Like, all the young girls starring in the movie got to contribute to the plot. Oh, there was a year of workshopping with young teenage girls before they even shot the movie to cast it, to decide what stories were relevant, to decide what story should be told. Um, so the, only one of the girls in the cast was even an actress before this. But now the... the it's you know, hard to believe
3: because they're so good they're so
4: good and the girl who played Bucky is like uh, sorry the girl Bucky who played Rocks is now like on an acceleration for an incredible career and she's she's quite something oh she's very good so it's like one of these movies that you you love watching it it's really uplifting right if, if you're finding it a hard watch we promise you the end's nice um, but it's also then when you read about the production it's just you know and we made a joke when we were chatting about it with Lou that like the collaboration on this movie like the director almost doesn't take any credit for it because all she talks about is the collaboration (coughs) versus someone like james cameron who will get up when he wins his oscar for best director and scream i'm the king of the world (laughs) and i just feel like it's an interesting point on like a film made by women versus the so-called singular talent of a male director that we've all been fed the lie that that's what a director should be uh so there's so much to recommend about rocks and it's really short it's like 90 minutes yeah. so get on it on Netflix if you haven't seen it
3: it's also, do you know, it's also just a real lovely celebration of friendship
4: oh I love
3: um, it. female and, and friendship particularly female friendship, but it's a recognisable like I was able to recognise this yeah. group of fr- uh, very tight knit friends in school and you get to kind of bask in that a, a, a lot, which you know, you have a lot of moments of them just being friends and sort of goofing off or whatever but also they're there for each other in the most important moments and the sibling
4: Um, love like how much you love oh Oh, like we're both big siblings I'm also have an older sister so I'm also a small sibling And, and the love like what you would do to protect your little brother or sister if you could yeah and and rocks does that. I actually get shivers thinking about it, what a beautiful movie it is.
3: It's 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 remarkable. Yeah. It is beautiful, and I agree with Cathy. When you factor in the um, the care that went into the production of this movie, and this, and uh, you it, you understand why it feels and looks so authentic.
4: Yeah, it's so special. You know. Okay, Dave. I actually can't guess what your number one of the year is because I thought it was going to be rocks.
3: Onward. No, I thought it was going to be rocks. You thought it was going to be rocks.
4: Yeah, just had that vibe. Oh,
3: okay, I can't really guess what yours is either. Um, mm. So my number one of the year—you've already said it—is *Parasite*, and it kind of feels like—it <laughs> feels kind like of you're a top- boring thing to put it at the top of your number one. And I kind it's of
4: like, yes, it won best picture. <laughs> I thought
3: about it as well. Yeah, it just so feels like so.
4: Long old ago.
3: now it's such old news parasite can like, you
4: believe Oscars happened as a real life event No, right at the end of February
3: but that was a huge deal oh my god that was that February that was it was year. February oh my yeah. god. Um, let's not forget that what a huge deal that was in February back when that was able to beat headlines um, and there wasn't all, all these other <laughs> headlines there's
4: only been two headlines since oh, February. Um, February in England Covid Brexit
3: Covid Brexit um, but then and then globally Covid Black Lives Matter Trump just everything that happened this year significantly Significant things. Anyway, uh, yeah. Back in February, it was like a um, foreign language film winning Best Picture was the most incredible thing you could imagine in 2020. It was thrilling. Um, But this isn't. It is well so deserving of that, um, uh, and that's a big moment that that was acknowledged by a very, I would say, archaic um, institute, the Academy Awards. But it was hard not to get caught up in the parasite sort of frenzy, and even before it won. um, best picture it was for you know for a, a foreign language film it was getting such buzz and wide distribution people were t- t- like it was selling out screenings before it even won the best picture and so, to the
4: point where when we went to see it in March we were like it's not going to live up to our expectations
3: and it <laughs> <We> exceeded <laughs> blew it blew them away yeah. I, I, it's just a, uh, you know and it, you've kind of said most of it so I won't bang on but um, for me um, the best thing you can get from cinema besides emotional impact which as I said a minute ago I didn't really get from Parasite I got it from Onward but I didn't um, but the other thing that's that is so important for me when it comes to cinema and, and movies is, well A being immersed but walking out of a movie and feeling um, changed or feeling like your perspective is being challenged or that you're or that you're thinking a lot right So so it was like this movie stayed with me for days. Um, not only in the way it, it sort of highlights pr- problems that are inherent in the capitalist system through the lens of well, South Korea in particular, but but feel completely relatable to me living in a in a capitalist society, uh, and particularly sort of the the problems inherent with a, a society that creates class divides. And then the sort of obsession um, with wealth and status and power and that effect that it has on people. Um, and without I can't really talk into about that without going into detail about the plot. Which, besides all of that heavy stuff, is just fun to watch. It's even so if, funny. Even if you don't dig into <laughs> what so he's funny. actually talking about or what he's presenting, it's funny, it's kind of thrilling, it's creepy, it's weird, it's... But it's unlike anything I've saw this year or any other year And that's what I like about Bong Joon-ho as a filmmaker It's like he doesn't make things that you've seen before But this is what we want And he's got something to say this,
4: we, want new, we want new perspectives We want to be challenged This is why it's so much more interesting for us now To watch movies where possible That have made, been made from different perspectives than ours Yeah Um, and the importance of of that excitement on screen and it'd be so funny I'd be I'd nearly be tempted but slightly heartbroken to try and go back and re-listen to our review of Parasite because I remember when we went to the cinema it was our first time going to cinema on our own since we'd had Elliot we were absolutely buzzing we were so excited we were kind of like vaguely talking about Covid as like this far off thing and now to go back to listen to that would be like listening to two different people
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, like from a different world <laughs> and but my last point to say about it is that uh, besides all that like it's got an incredible um, plot story theme uh, the, the theme of it is is profound but also as a filmmaker Bong Joon-ho the, the visuals are just incredible like the the Symmetry that he provides. Every every frame of this movie you can go through and it, it, it is symbolic of what he's trying to say. Like, literally, uh, there will be... It's
4: all about the classes. St-
3: there, there's, like, lines dividing the characters that are mm-hmm. almost hidden. It's almost all subconscious. Like, the stairs. Uh, the, the set itself is an amazing set. You spend so much time there. But it is telling you part of the story as well, with the way he frames everything. And there's the, an incredible visual of... Um, involving water going downhill which i won't say too much about that is just like hits you and not only because it's like it looks incredible but what it means um and and so it's like this is a man who understands cinema and visuals and is a visual storyteller as well as just being a funny guy on top of it all so i'm just like he's a he's he's just a remarkable um director writer and uh, yeah that's why it's my I, I could not as as, as as sort of boring as it is to say Parasite is is an amazing movie uh, that's that I just had to put it number one I just couldn't not do it I know so, I felt like
4: that but I still had to have it on my list um, and my well on then. <laughs> my number one is also a movie we've already talked oh, about oh it's Lover's Rock it's Lover's Rock Small Axe directed by Steve McQueen the other Small Axe movie we watched Education which is the last one in the series blew me away for lots of reasons um, and and it's definitely in my you know was close to being in my top five yeah that's
3: me, me too But it's just outside of for me the difference of
4: me. kind of between education versus Lover's Rock in terms of why Lover's Rock is number one on this list is because as Dave already alluded to it's the immersive experience of watching Lover's Rock some of which made me very uncomfortable by the way um, and kind of, not to retread what Dave talked about, but we are I am going to speak a bit more about it because we um, haven't done a review of it on our main feed purely because we just watched it. So we just thought we'd save it for, for this list instead, um, presuming it would be on at least one of ours. Um, and as Dave kind of mentioned, Lovers Rock is just the story of one night in the 70s uh, in London. And it's just about a house party... Um, but specifically, as we said, with people from the West Indies. And and we begin the movie with the setup of a house party. Um, We know, you know, racism is very prevalent in England. We really know that the 70s was a very tough time for immigrants of colour in this country. It's still a tough, it's still a hard world for immigrants of colour in this country, but the 70s racism was just so endemic and explicit and what I love about this movie is that it begins with these black characters creating a space for themselves and Steve McQueen has talked about that it's like they created this party for themselves for a safe space for them to be in the characters and he spoke about as a filmmaker how it was also like a safe space for all of them it's like a black cast a black director a black cinematographer everyone in this in the production is black and And it's it's them telling, you know, a story about a night that like as Dave mentioned, it's like it was similar it was like familiar and also very alien to me because, you know, I've never been at a party like that. Um I've also have been at lots of house parties and I and it was so cool to watch it because whatever way they did it with the camera and, and they captured it was like magic. And Steve McQueen said that when they filmed it it was like magic and they just caught that on camera and that's down to the direction and the cast, like I felt like a voyeur at a party. I felt almost like a peeping tom at certain points watching the chemistry and you know the excitement you're talking about is is a girl's 17th birthday is kind of the nominal setting of the party and like when you're 17 it's a it's a, a night is like untold opportunity and it's like you're getting ready for the party like who might you meet, you might kiss somebody you might hear a song that you love Like there's a point where that Everybody was kung fu fighting Comes on <laughs> yeah. and everyone just loses their shit And we were like <laughs> I have been at a party dancing to that song Losing my shit um, it, It's like the untold excitement of a night And, and I think as you get older That dims and dims And certainly this year We've not had many great nights out But This I, year
3: it was extinct
4: <laughs> This year was me and Dave Playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons Over Zoom with my family <laughs> um, But we've all experienced that feeling in youth or otherwise of like just absolutely getting ready for a night out with your friends and like what will this night be for me and it's completely exciting. The lead actress, I forget her name, but she was brand new, she'd never been in anything else. This is her first role. She's incredible. Uh everyone in the party is incredible. I lived for the 70s fashion in the Afros. They were amazing. Uh I again I I want to be watching films. Differing perspectives, different cultures. Films that challenge what I'm used to seeing. This obviously was the year of Black Lives Matter and all the discussion around culture in the UK. You know, the whitewashing of UK history, um, extensive problems in the UK with systemic racism, and the year that it is. I'm so pleased that Steve McQueen, though he obviously didn't make them this year, I'm so year that I'm so happy that this is the year the BBC aired those movies. They were at, at supposed to be at film festivals and in cinemas as well. Obviously, mostly didn't get to happen. Um, similarly over we talked about um, I May Destroy You that BBC made it as a TV series over on our best TV of the year and what an incredible story that was so uh, kudos to the BBC for kind of funding it and making it but real Steve McQueen's unbelievable he's so talented uh, lovers rock and, and you know there's some, part, there's some bits in the party that made me very uncomfortable that I didn't enjoy watching and again that's life like what happens when people are together and there's yeah. alcohol involved and and there's me, uh, women and men mixing um, and then there's what I find so cool about it is like like when you're watching something that's a completely different culture and time and something you can never be a part of but you, you feel the similarities and what i um, there's <laughs> a bit at the end of the night, right? Well, Dave, I won't talk about the big song that they all sing because they've already talked about it. But that blew my mind, and that was the absolute best scene of the whole thing. It's like hair standing on the back yeah, of my neck, tingling, they're singing a song that we'd never heard called "Silly Games," and it's just that scene will just blow you away. But there's a bit at the end where, like, all the women kind of get off the dance floor, and it's just like the lads left, and they're jumping around and all that, and I was like this could be a group of lads singing the fields of Athamari in a disco in Cork.
1: <laughs> yeah, we've, be, we've, we've been there. I've
4: been there a hundred times. <laughs> and I just, I love that, like, the universality of the human experience, even when you're looking at a really specific uh, time and culture that you have never been in and never will be in. Um,
3: yeah, exactly.
4: And I feel really privileged that I watched that movie and that I was invited into that party and that I got to be a part of it. It's much like I feel I was very privileged to be invited into the world of rocks. Um, and on this podcast, you know, we... We want to challenge ourselves. We want to watch more diverse stories. We want to talk about them. We often and have always lamented for years of when we go to the cinema and the lack of diversity and everything we watch. Um, so we want to do better watching this stuff. We want to recommend it to you guys. Everyone should be challenging themselves to stretch themselves. Um, well,
3: what, what a good year for that. If you look back at really the ones we've just said, you know, rocks and small acts and parasite and and like, there, it, does, it does feel like this content is... More available than ever. Yeah. And, and cinema is in, in, in the, the best medium, I would say, yeah. for allowing different voices and perspectives and for allowing you as an audience member to live it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so yeah I'm quite so
4: I feel like kind of a basically, lot to be excited about looking back we went back to a party on, we were never invited to and we got to like be peeping toms for the night is how we I kind I didn't of really
3: feel like a peeping tom. I felt like it was there I felt like I, I, because normally when I used to go to house parties I used to just be the, the wallflower anyway right so I was, I, I was standing at the wall watching everyone
4: honestly I used so to be too drunk so this is pretty much
3: my house party experience anyway
4: I felt like do you know what I had a kind of sad feeling watching it of like even if it wasn't Covid and all the rest of it this year I just think, even if we were away somewhere without the kids and we went to a house party, it wouldn't be the same. The complete abandon of when you're young, you don't care if you're going to trash the house, you don't care where you're oh, going to yeah, fall asleep, old. you don't ca- you don't know people, it's all exciting. Like, at best, I feel like we'd be at a, an, an, a very enjoyable drunken dinner party with friends, but we wouldn't be at a party like this. And yeah, our it's time almost, has passed. It made me nostalgic for something I've never experienced and something I have experienced, and it's just incredible.
3: Yeah, beautifully put. And, and I think, to, to further add to that, the uh, I spend a lot of this. Looking at thinking about that the cleanup the next day. And I was like and when they're moving the sofa and I'm like, Oh God, be careful, like you're gonna damage your sofa. And I was like, Oh no, wow, I really I really have changed.
4: Um but anyway, I think we need to take a break. These poor children need to get out of this buggy and then we'll be back, we're gonna talk about our honourable mentions, our worst of the year. We're also gonna have a new category this year which we've never had in the podcast before. Because we watched a lot of old movies this year. We're gonna each pick our favourite retro watch because we didn't watch that many new movies like most of you. We Watched a lot of old movies this yeah. year,
3: and we're going to read out some of uh, your tweets, uh, and we're going to hear from uh, some of our patrons about what your uh, best and worst of the year. And
4: now I think we need to end. If you can find it, this segment on the silly games clip from *Lovers Rock*. I love
3: the wait. Stop editing this. <laughs> Stop directing this. Now, now I've got to go back and figure all this out later. Yes, you do. All right. Okay. Bye. bye. See you in a bit.
1: I've been
3: Right, we're back. It's actually only been a couple of minutes because (laughs) when we stopped recording, we looked at the two boys and they were both asleep in the buggy.
4: And we will never ever waste a buggy with two sleeping children in it. No,
3: so let's carry on. (laughs) Let's keep podcasting.
4: Let's do our honourable mentions. Right, my list is extremely short.
3: (laughs) I've got a few. Right, go on. Um, What uh, you go first, then? What do you want to talk (laughs) about?
4: So short. I have onward, which we already spoke about, purely for the the joy of of being in the cinema with our two kids um, I won't talk about the movie because you've already talked about it but we went in February um, my dream one of my dreams for this year had been because I was on maternity leave was to go to um, parent baby cinemas every week with Elliot like I did with Oscar when he was baby uh, never got to go to any obviously the least of my problems in 2020 but I was sad I didn't get that experience with him but this movie we went to when he was about two weeks old we had such a laugh it was so chaotic we'd we had to change nappies in the middle of the movie. We were giving snacks. We had a crying baby. We were in and out of the bathroom the whole time. We had such a laugh trying to push... the Kind of first time really trying to push it up a buggy. And podcasts were now pros at it. Um, it was just a really wonderful family day out for me. And that's why I have got Onward on my list. Uh, you know, it's also a decent movie in fairness to it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It's a Pixar movie at the end of the day. Like, how bad can it be? Uh, it's just an ugly movie. But it's, it is a lovely story. Um and then my <laughs> my other honourable mention is Soul, as you referenced. You've only got two. No, I've got four. All right. Um, four. Soul, which we just watched on <laughs> Disney+. Plus. I won't go into it because we just did a big review of it. But Soul has a lot of wonderful elements. I really recommend people watch it. Um philosophically very interesting some parts that I didn't think worked but some parts that I loved and you know particularly watching Joe play the piano
3: that's coming from a philosophy graduate as well.
4: <laughs> and a very poor pianist watching him play the you're piano you're a pianist uh, I'm not did you see Joe playing the piano uh, I mean, you're not as good as Joe fine <laughs> he's amazing and and I those scenes of watching Joe play jazz on his piano in a jazz bar in New York just made me want to go and watch live music and I, I absolutely loved them um small acts education we briefly mentioned um it's about a little boy called Kingsley he's oh, twelve this broke my heart oh, it's again in the seventies in in England I don't quite know where it was i think london um and it's about a little boy who um is in school and he's got some reading difficulties and 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 it's it's a bit of a tough watch because again it's about the the systemic racism in the English school system and how Kingsley is treated... This when was present
3: in the American system as well. Oh, it's there present all over the world. Brilliant Radio Lab podcast episode about that subject matter.
4: It's all over the world, but it, this is specifically an English story and how, how when Kingsley acts up and mucks around a bit like any 12-year-old boy would do, how he's treated differently from his white his school colleagues and then specifically... Uh, this fascinating um, system that was happening in England, where they were taking children of color out of schools, mainstream schools, and sending them to special schools, and and we kind of see Kingsley's experience in this school. It's a very hopeful movie. It's a really. It ends on a really hopeful note. Kingsley is incredible. This kid, I love him. Yeah,
3: great, great actors oh, throughout this. Um, um, his
4: mother's incredible. Um, and and it's, a,
3: it's a lot more story driven than, than *Lovers Rock*. So if yeah. you're not uh, someone who likes sort of an immersive movies and naturalistic and just just want a sort of a character and plot to get behind yeah, this is very, a, an easier watch very
4: educational about um, what was going on in education in the 70s um, and then there's a really funny scene in this movie where like, we've all been there when some boar does this and much like Dave was talking about earlier how Steve McQueen will linger on something, it's like this buffoon of a teacher who sits down and plays a House of the Rising Sun <laughs> and plays and I think we
3: get the whole song he plays
4: the whole song and then he starts it again again. and that's like literally every house party I was at also probably in my early 20s there'd be some fool who'd pick up a guitar and sing some long song and no one would care and they keep singing it Um, anyway really really recommend Education the uh, small acts and I want to watch the rest everyone's saying Mangrove is amazing haven't seen that one yet so more to watch for us in 2021 and finally I want to give a shout out to The Bass Tonight which is a movie we watched on Amazon Prime this summer with my mom when we were in Ireland and it's a small movie. It was made for under a million dollars. Um, this guy like wrote and directed it by himself and kind of ha- half self-funded it, I think. And it's if you like sci-fi, stuff set in the 50s, a little bit of Back to the Future vibes about the production, uh, some intriguing sci-fi plots I won't get into for fear of spoilers. Great and camera work as well. Great right? camera work. At one point, we were convinced there was like a GoPro
3: strapped to a dog. To a dog, yeah. Because the camera work was so low. <laughs> but no, it would have had to have been a steady cam attached to a dog. Because <laughs> yeah. the shot was so steady. Was. But I was like, how are they doing this? Either they've got a, a, like a uh, somebody on a skateboard or there's a dog. It's just like, it was incredible. It was really
4: cool. And like, a lot of switchboard action so if you want to see actors who actually learned how to work an <laughs> yeah. old 50 switchboard stuff it was a lot of it about radio someone was recording remotely so oh there's a
3: love for radio yeah, in this it that. feels
4: like a podcast made in the 50s Yeah. so totally recommend checking that out on Amazon Prime and that's actually my last honourable mention of the year that's <laughs> it the very dry year that was 2020
3: wow. okay uh, well I've got uh, quite a few um, Tenet I'll start with um, which didn't make my top 5 because those five movies are better than Tenet from from my money. Uh Tenet's good Tenet's a good movie, right, overall. It didn't but it it's I think it's really problematic. Uh, um, I mean,
4: firstly we literally couldn't hear it.
3: There's many problems with Tenet. <laughs> yeah, that's one of them. Is that, you know, and he you know, that's got a lot of media attention, the sort of audio troubles. And and to be fair to Christopher Nolan, I think a lot of that might be down to the way it's um, presented in in cinemas, you know. Yeah, he, but
4: every cinema can't be. Okay, wrong. now
3: I'm not saying he's <laughs> he's right in in making it for whatever Dolby Atmos or however he likes to make movies. But like he's somebody who's obsessed with the the you know film shooting on film and making. Uh, Cinema movies, and like this is how I do sound, but yeah, it's prop that's been a problem right back to Bane. And like, you know, okay, so there's loads of this where you're like, I don't know what those characters are saying because I can't hear them. And then sometimes when I, I can hear them, I still don't know what they're saying because this film is just like exposition dump after exposition dump. It was kind of hard to follow um, the plot, not only with the weird twisty actual subject matter of the plot but like literally like who's that person and what is the motivation
4: um, and why am I watching the night manager because I saw this a few years yeah, ago
3: it's the night manager with the same like actors playing the same role in the same plot um, so you know it's, it's, it's deeply I think it's a deeply kind of problematic film but it's something that has never been done before. It's hugely ambitious. It has um, a,
4: what's it called? A temporal time pincher or something. Whatever. Well, got, <laughs> that was you know, awesome. Temporal
3: time pincer movement. That was but awful. Yeah, was
4: like, it, it, awesome, I mean, not awful. Yeah,
3: awesome. It's just like the, the the ideas that Christopher Nolan had is, and that he decided to try and do it is audacious. And I really admire that. And I had a good cinema experience like you did. Um, and it's certainly unlike anything... Um, I've ever seen before. So I admire that. Not like while while he didn't absolutely nail it. Um Trial of the Chicago Seven is a Netflix movie that Aaron Sorkin wrote and directed. Uh, we did an episode on that which you can listen to with your mom. Um and this is Aaron Sorkin being Aaron Sorkin. Um but and which can go either way for me personally. But this is for me this is good Aaron Sorkin. I I, I really enjoyed the the subject matter which is um about anti-Vietnam or Vietnam uh, war protesters in the uh, 60s um, and violence that ensued uh, around uh, a protest which again felt very prevalent in in 2020 and uh, how uh, the ringleaders of that were, were put on what is essentially a sham trial I love courtroom dramas this is a very good one it's got a great cast, particularly an interesting performance from Sasha Baron Cohen. And what
4: about Eddie Sideface?
3: Eddie Sideface, as your my favorite, mother has christened favorite, Eddie Redmayne uh, is in it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I I would I think it's well worth checking out. And and actually like has some pretty interesting directing kind of flair from Aaron Sorkin. Um, small Axe Education is is definitely deserves a mention, but I won't say any more. I think you summed it up beautifully. Um,
4: we're lucky we didn't see all of Small acts because that would have just been our top five I'm convinced
3: <laughs> it possibly every, would be I'm really looking forward to watching the rest of I know of it. I can't wait um, one thing which I'm going to give an, a shout out to which is not a good movie right by any measure and, and yet I'm it's not, in
4: your honourable mention Yet I, like it, it does
3: deserve an honourable mention uh, it's Eurovision Song Contest oh, yes. the, the fire saga I don't know I can't remember what yeah, it was called yeah. the saga of fire ding
4: dong what was it I don't know, I don't but know. we're still singing the songs. We're
3: still singing all of the songs because the songs of this movie are top notch. Because not only are they, they feel like Eurovision songs. So I think they, they, this 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 movie was coming from a very loving place, right? And uh,
4: we need to start off by saying the movie was an hour too long. Oh yeah, no, the no, the songs are brilliant. The,
3: the movie's kind of not a good movie. It really isn't. I think if you look at it objectively as a movie, when it comes to script writing. Characterization. The way the film, uh, the way is it edited, it's not a good movie. Like it's way too long. It's all over the place. There are sections of it that should have just not been there. A lot of it's not funny. Um, Will
4: Ferrell is twenty. Will, years Fer- old. Will
3: Ferrell's too old. He's miscast himself. <laughs> he shouldn't be that, playing that character. No. Um Yet, it's for some reason I loved it, and I would watch it again. And I have what I have listened to those songs. Over and over again <laughs> Since I heard it And they're just They're, they're just absolute bangers We had so much the fun lot of them. Um,
4: Recording the episode On that as well Remember um, We had so much fun Doing our podcast We yeah. Because it's a
3: fun movie and
4: actually, I actually think it was Our best episode of the year For anyone who wants to listen to In terms of actually The best cinema episode of the year Despite the fact that We oh, didn't see it in the cinema We should do a
3: cinema episode Top <laughs> no. five uh, Just um, in terms of We
4: were having the best laugh We did we, we,
3: we had a lot of fun watching it We had a lot of fun Talking about it And also Dan Stevens oh. yeah, um, brilliant Very welcome comedic talent um, Extraction Extraction is uh, also not we a... We are
4: getting desperate, desperate. <laughs> <laughs> Extraction! It's so middle of the road That it has no place Either on a best or Worst list Or <laughs> it, any sort of List in between But isn't that
3: exactly What this is This is the uh, the list in between This is This is the list of you Not on my best list Not on my worst th- list The
4: dredges of Netflix For something to talk about I think
3: there's a lot of good To be said about Extraction um, I think the Cathy uh, just snorted In case you didn't I'm like pick We did up a up review
4: on, on Extraction And let's never speak of it again
3: <laughs> so boring I, I think um, I like this I think it's a really Solid action movie um, felt very uh, the 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 action scenes and the, the close quarters fighting of this is very well pulled off. Chris Hemsworth is a bit of a sort of a blah action hero overall and a bit overexposed, but he he actually brings a little bit of extra pathos to this, um, and it's it's got and, and it's a good setup and I was invested and I quite enjoyed it. So, but again, that. it's an
4: example of the kind of movie that we watched this year and did an episode on that in a normal year we wouldn't have done an episode on.
3: Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, I think it was one of the most watched things on Netflix as well. well. So, so they the... claim,
4: which it means at least three seconds of it were
3: watched by millions of people. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
4: Basically three million people watched the opening credits or something.
3: Another Netflix thing which I think was quite good and interesting and timely was a documentary that we watched called The Social Dilemma. Um,
4: oh God, I forgot about that.
3: Yeah, and, and that... Um,
4: that was really good.
3: That was very good. Um, no, again, not, not, not a perfect film. They made some weird choices. You know, they dramatised... Yeah, that was a, really weird. A lot of weird. this stuff, which kind of mostly didn't work for me. And there's some re- kind of quite out there inventive ways of um, uh, bringing <laughs> a social media algorithm to life <laughs> with your man from Mad Men and Angels playing five different guys at a console, um, controlling basically a, a character who's a puppet and feeding him, he needs more content. Give him some content. He needs more ads. Um, so sell like- him
4: some, in my case, <laughs> sell her some... Baby products, or sell her some (laughs) skincare, or sell her uh, like a sofa
3: throw. Um, So, so while while that is, you know, didn't quite work, I don't think, but it was an admirable way of trying to bring to life or visualise something that is quite a complicated thing to express. Uh, But, but also. If, it was, if they hadn't done that, then it's just a load of talking heads for 90 minutes. It's very um, grim but, watching, though. But the talking heads... that they, Yeah, it is, it is grim. It's important kind of watching. Yeah, it is it's important. It's something that we all know... For, sorry, I haven't said what it's about. It's about um, the problem with social media networks uh, when it comes to a um, societal level, how it affects society, how it affects the human brain, the psychology of it, and, the, and all the problems that are associated with it.
4: And like interesting points like technology has advanced so much in the last 10 years that like our brains aren't built to cope for it and like we know social media use and phone use causes anxiety and depression and stress and in the year that it was where we all spent way more time on our phones than we should have it was a very sobering watch
3: yes and and, and I think importantly as to your point we know all these things there was nothing in there it didn't already know no. but to hear stark. it to hear it all expressed over the course of 90 minutes by former um Uh, senior employees of Google and Facebook and Apple you're like suddenly you're like It was
4: the guy who invented the like button was on it
3: yeah and and these guys someone
4: had to invent that
3: these people are saying this stuff is addictive we engineered it to be addictive and it's ruining human society then you're like Oh god this really is a problem I deleted Facebook off the back of it And I'm sure a lot of people did
4: I contemplated deleting it and then didn't So there you go Um,
3: I'd like to shout out Dating Amber uh, Which was an Irish film that was released this year on um, on Prime Video Um, That
4: should have been on my list Apologies Dating Amber
3: Yeah so that was a a nice little um, coming of age uh, story About two teenagers in uh, I can't remember what county in Ireland But um in, One of the middle ones. In school <laughs> In the, uh in school, um both uh gay but sort of not uh, not comfortable with coming out and so they pretend to um uh they pretend to be a heterosexual couple to sort of fit in. And I think there's a lot uh Charming. is definitely the word to use. It was charming, it was uh, you know, naturally um we were able to relate as Irish teenagers to, to a the lot of it. Uh, we grew up an in that, that period. Yeah, um, but yeah, quite quite a human, quite nice. Uh, the Invisible Man deserves a shout out, I think, because that was a really solid horror film with uh, oh, what's her name um, uh. from Mad Men and the um, <laughs> the, the one with the. That TV show that I if,
4: if you want to know someone's name, you <laughs> research it before Sorry, you turn I've it off. I anyway. think her name's Elizabeth, but I'm not sure. Elizabeth Moss. Yes. There
3: uh, you Elizabeth go. Moss is very good She's in this. She's brilliant. This is a great, um, again, from the Bloom House, who are just like absolutely knock it out of the park when it comes to horror movies. And we
4: were so pleased because this was like at the beginning of the pandemic when everything was cancelled and then they released it, like you could pay £20 to watch it, and we were so happy. We're yeah. like, we'll pay anything for a new movie.
3: Really, really. Um, we did pay for this, and, and actually, I think for the most part, it was worth it. I think this is a really good twist great, yeah. on a very familiar trope, uh, with a sort of
4: this very good,
3: uh, interesting domestic abuse angle uh, thrown in. Um, His House is another horror movie w- uh, which I uh, was released on Netflix. You didn't watch this, but wa- uh, definitely worth worth a mention. Um, horror, for me, like sci-fi, is best when it's. Um, trying to uh, express something or there's something thematic underneath uh, and when the the threat that's being posed the supernatural threat is actually um, representative of something that the characters are going through so you know the Babadook represents grief for instance Uh, so this, this I think was firing in all cylinders when it came to creating a compelling horror threat that relates to what the characters are experiencing and the setting of this movie is uh, two refugees fleeing from war-torn sudan and coming to england and being housed and um that in itself is was a very interesting journey to take you take out all the horror stuff and this actually really works as a character drama. i
4: wanted to watch that movie but then because i watched like the opening minute or two and then i realized it was a horror movie and i was like no thanks I don't and honest, need to watch honestly, a horror movie honestly, tormenting these people. These two
3: actors are excellent, um, and I really cared about them and the characters and their journey. And if I'm honest, the drama is better than the horror. The horror is just kind of just pretty good horror, but this it works better as a character drama than a horror movie. But kind of interesting that they're meshed together, but it's very good. I, I really do recommend it. Um, Soul, we've said enough on that, and we just did an episode on it, uh, but it, it, it is definitely worthy of a... An honourable mention.
4: Well, if extraction's worthy of an honourable mention, I'm pretty sure Soul's worthy of an honourable mention.
3: Um, And another, another, yeah, fair enough. (laughs) Soul is better than extraction for sure. Another movie which we watched very recently was a, a Christmas movie called Happiest Season. Uh, which babe. is definitely worthy of an honourable mention <laughs>
4: what I'm just laughing at the dregs of your list now that's a good it was a good
3: movie we both enjoyed <laughs> it it was a
4: good movie yeah Yeah. it's a perfectly fine made for TV Christmas movie I'm oh, sorry
3: to find honourable mention <laughs> then it's, it's like movies that we watched this year that are uh, were good and yeah. that we'd recommend um, and then lastly um, Enola Holmes uh, was a movie that came out on uh, Netflix, not not perfect. Um, Millie, very enjoyable, but very enjoyable, yeah. and and kind of had enough um, flair and charm and energy on the screen to sort of propel it along for for two hours. Um, and we did
4: a, we did a review on that one as well. Most of the movies we're mentioning, we did do reviews on this year.
3: Yes, and uh, Millie Bobby Brown um, was very. Like She just proved That she is a leading lady And yeah. can and can like Hold the screen
4: And she proves that I think the last season Of Stranger Things Really wasted her She deserves way more Than she's getting in that show And she lit up the screen In Enola Holmes yeah. Brilliant
3: And uh, I think they're Probably going to make a 40 of those I movies I would if
4: I was them uh, For sure And
3: I, I'd definitely show she up plays, For more of it Did you say
4: she's Sherlock Holmes' sister And she solves mysteries yeah. brilliant And Henry Cavill Yeah Henry Cavill and We have the biggest crush on Henry it's always Cavill always delightful We're obsessed with Henry Cavill um, So that's it
3: um quite Greatness. a few? Yes, yes. Yeah. So let's take another break um and when we come back we're gonna hear uh, from what you guys thought were your best and worst of this year.
4: But first you're gonna hear from some of our family members who we managed to convince to send us recordings of their best and worst movies of the year. And we even got Oscar, our three-year-old, on board and we're so pleased he made this episode and we think he's quite a little film critic.
3: So, we're here with Oscar, and we thought we'd ask uh, Oscar what his favourite movie ever is. What's your favourite movie, Oscar? Frozen. Frozen? Oh, and what do you like about Frozen? A song. The songs. The songs are good, aren't they? What's your favourite song in Frozen? Um, about uh, Christoph Sings. Christoph Sings? Yeah. And what does he sing? Uh, I don't know. He sings, uh, what does he do? He lives lost in the woods, doesn't he? Do you like that
6: one? Yeah. How does that one go? I don't know, no. Does he <laughs> sing, Reinders are better than people. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. And who's who's the best uh, person in Frozen? Who's your favourite? Olaf. Olaf, he's, he's good. I love snowmen. <laughs> yeah, what does Olaf sing? He sings a song as well, doesn't he?
4: What does it, how does it go?
3: He sings about summer, doesn't he? Hmm. Yeah.
4: And what... In who, summer. Who's the queen? Elsa. And what does Elsa do? I hurt Anna. She hurts Anna? She hurts Anna? Anna? Yeah.
3: Oh, I don't no. remember that. why
4: yeah. does she do that? Oh wait, she does. Yeah. <laughs> why does she hurt Anna? In her castle. Oh yeah. no. Yeah, but it's
3: a mistake, isn't it? It was an accident.
4: And then who chases them? Hans. Hans? Yeah. <gasps> Is Hans a bad guy? Uh, yeah. oh, oh.
3: Spoiler. <laughs>
4: but... Bad guys are... Hans is only pretend. He's only pretend? Yeah.
3: yeah. They're only pretend, yeah.
4: And what else do you like about Frozen? What's your favourite song? Uh, Let It Go. Can you sing Let It Go? I don't know how Go. Do <laughs> I don't want to sing it. Do you want that's to sing it okay. together? No.
3: Okay. No, we don't Okay,
4: have. Oscar, so that's your favourite movie of 2020. Yeah. And what's your favourite TV show? Mm, PJ Masks. PJ Masks. Oh, yeah. Why do you like that?
3: Because it's got my favourite colours. Green and blue and
6: red are my favourite colours.
3: Oh, nice. And who's your favourite in PJ
5: Masks?
6: Romeo.
4: Romeo. Yeah.
5: He's the bad guy, isn't he? <laughs> oh. Yeah?
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. Okay. okay, Oscar. Well, thank you. Say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Say bye-bye, cinema.
3: <laughs> oh, thank you, Oscar.
2: Hello, Happy New Year, everyone. Um, Elizabeth here, also known as Lockdown Lizzie. Um, so due to spending most of this year in lockdown, um, my best and worst films for the year come from some streaming services. Um, worst for me has to be Christmas on the Square with Dolly Parton and Christine Barinsky. Um, thought I would love it, love musicals, love Christmas, love Dolly Parton, but um, the songs didn't do it for me. It's a bit overly religious, a bit cheap looking. Um, Christine Brinsky was amazing but overall not something I'll rewatch. Best for me is on Disney Plus um, Hamilton. Um, so a 2020 release of um, the New York production of this musical um, which I saw in person in London so a different cast um, and I really really enjoyed watching it on the small screen. Um, you actually get to see people up close, which you don't really get to see when you're in the theatre, and also really nice at the moment when we can't actually go and see things um, in real life. So I really enjoyed that. Bye, everyone.
7: Hi, guys. It's uh, Jan and Danielle. And we are Dave's favourite brother-in-law and his favourite and only sister. Um, um, I am talking for the both of us and giving you a review of our best and worst films of 2020. So firstly, we thought the best film of 2020 was 1917. We both felt it was very well made. You were immediately immersed in the film. It was emotional throughout the suspense of each scene. You didn't know what was going to happen next. And at the end of it, we both looked at each other and both said that was unbelievable. So that's definitely our best film. Our worst film is The Christmas Chronicles 2. Firstly, the plot line was absolutely bonkers. Um, the, I think the game of chicken between the two sleighs was just absolutely ridiculous and I really thought that this was a very lazy made film and my pregnant wife fell asleep halfway through so that can only presume that it was horrific. So that's our best and worst. So Happy New Year and thanks very much for everything.
5: Take care. Jimmy here, Cathy's dad. The film of the year for me was Knives Out. uh, A good-humoured murder mystery and with uh, a very welcome Latina lead played with great empathy uh, and always a pleasure to see Jamie Lee Curtis and indeed Daniel Craig doing a bit of acting uh, on the other hand d- d- my least favorite was Joker such a bleak dystopian film and subject uh, no little bit of light relief in it at all so why present such misery that's not a way to, f- to take away from the technical aspects of the of the film and of the acting. But why? So after struggling to put words in this, I came across a review by another gentleman, David Ehrich of IndieWire. And his words, incendiary, confused, potentially toxic. I'd agree. Bye
6: everybody. Hello, Cinema Oil. Linda here, Cathy's mom. And the actual only cinema experience I had this year was seeing Tenet. So, you think I might rate it as the best, but I'm actually rating it as my most disappointing. It really failed for me to deliver anything other than superficial, spectacular, and it left no lasting impression, unlike his other movie, Inception, which is one of my all-time favourites for the, yeah, the depth of it and the way it explores levels of mind and implications of deep guilt. So, a complete contrast, and I'd say it's what they used to call all fur coat and no knickers. So I think what that actually yeah indicates for me is that the movies I like to watch now are the ones that make a kind of an emotional impression and stay with me in terms of theme and performance. So for that I'm gonna give my best of the year to a movie called Amamite which stars Sir Sha and Kate Winslet and well they're both magnificent and it's a beautiful movie that touches on love and friendship. And well worth a watch. So that's it. Have a happy new year.
1: Bye.
3: Right. We are back. We are kid free. Uh, it's been about six hours since uh, you last heard from us, which in parenting years is is eight years.
4: I would say six million years. <laughs> I suppose
1: being generous. So
3: much has happened. <laughs> I think we've aged. Um, but uh, yeah, so we now now we are back in our house and back in our are
4: sofa where we don't belong.
3: Ready to discuss, oh, and also sorry, thank you to all our family who you just heard. From, thank
4: you so much, family. For contributing. We love you guys, and you and you. Our uh, keen regular listeners will probably wonder where are all the guests you usually get at the end of the year when you ask you know ghost of podcast past to come on the answer is we weren't organized enough so we couldn't exactly email other podcasters today and say quickly will you send us voice notes um, that we can throw in the episode (laughs) we can do that to our families it's already
3: January when we're recording (laughs) this so (laughs) I'm amazed we even got it out uh... so
4: don't think we've fallen out with all our lovely podcast friends we haven't we're just not organized sorry guys right so yeah we're here to talk about
3: now we're gonna do our the the movie we each thought was the worst we saw this year
4: i've got two movies
3: uh then we're gonna hear from two okay cheater yeah uh and then we're gonna hear uh from you guys uh from on twitter and then we're gonna do uh, the best movie we saw this year that wasn't a new release
4: yeah our favorite retro watches of of the year that it was
3: right right kathy Give me one of your two worst movies from this year.
4: I'll, I'll give you one that I suspect may be your worst of the year also. Okay, go on. It is a movie that I watched on Disney+. Plus.
3: <laughs> yeah, obviously it's this. this it took me is it and Viola? my
4: husband. Yeah, it took <laughs> yeah. us approximately four weeks to watch Artemis Fowl. the longest we have ever spent <laughs> watching a movie for this podcast. Um. Where to begin with Artemis Fowl? Kenneth Branagh directed If You Can Believe This based on a... How,
3: how did he produce this?
4: Based on a beloved series of books, right? The amount of enraged cinema listeners we had who messaged us after our episode to say that they are huge fans of the books and were like basically yeah. crying at this film of how bad it was. It, like we've recorded a whole episode on it so like let's not lay into Which it too much. Which was my
3: personal favourite episode to record this year. I know you said the Eurovision one I think we did them back to back I think actually. we did yeah so it was go, a good day Go. I'd recommend if, uh, go listen to the Artemis Fowl episode no, don't, don't watch the movie no god no do not do that to yourself but go listen to our episode on that well, we, had a, frankly, we had a lot of fun you talking. won't be
4: able to watch the movie try your best <laughs> <It's> un- <laughs> the only watchable. reason that we uh, finished it was because we were like there's no movies out and we really wanted to record an episode we of needed the podcast.
3: to produce an episode <laughs> of our podcast and this was what we chose <laughs>
4: Imagine a movie where Judy Dench plays the queen of the leprechauns and utters such lines as top of the morning to ya uh, imagine such a thing as uh, in reshoots because the movie made no sense they literally helicoptered um, Colin Farrell in and shot some random disjointed scenes with him to try and add some Coherency Wait, or Wait, was he not in it? No. This did you not read one of our reader emails? She told us it was all reshoots with Colin Farrell. He was oh, wow. brought in last minute. But well,
3: who was the dad then before that? The
4: dad wasn't in it, apparently. Oh wow oh, my god. Um <laughs> The kid actually This whole movie
3: feels like reshoots.
4: It's basically it's based on this, a fantasy series of books set in Ireland about like leprechauns and pixies. We thought, oh that sounds great.
3: This should have been right up our alley. It
4: should have been it's um, basically a wannabe Harry Potter. It ain't no Harry Potter. We love Potter. Harry
3: Potter, we love Irish mythology. Um
4: We thought we liked Kenneth th- Branagh. Th- this
3: is a disaster do you know the way you know the way when you're watching like uh let's pick pick a movie from our top five so say parasite right Uh, and you're watching a movie like that oh no spider-man into the spider-verse which is my new favorite movie of all time i've decided your new favorite
4: movie of all time i watched
3: it again uh, a few (laughs) months ago and watching that i'm like
4: dave it was your favorite movie two years ago when you watched it first
3: yeah and it's my favorite movie of all time now what's the problem (laughs)
1: <laughs> just
3: like um and are you' watching something like that and pers- like personally i'm just like every single element that makes a movie is just was just like perfect here and a lot of that is like uh planning and finesse but a lot of it is just uh luck and timing and lightning in a bottle and it just
4: or coherent you know. storytelling
3: yes and and <laughs> my, my my point is like the perf- perfect movies are so rare and and hard to find and they have to they're not just a director or they're not just a performance they're everything a movie is all of uh, you know it's the music it's the acting it's the script it's everything coming together to produce this perfect thing This is like the opposite of that. It's the exact opposite. Like everyone came together and nothing worked. Nothing. Not a single thing in in this movie worked. You know
4: what? It's actually a perfect allegory for 2020 nothing
3: worked <laughs> yeah everything it, was wrong and it just keeps getting worse that's another way in which it's 20 you're like
4: this movie will ra- it will have to get better as it wraps up imagine at it one point that worse. Josh Gad who's you'll know was the voice of Olaf the Snowman and Frozen
3: who's miscast everyone's miscast a dwarf, in this movie and
4: at one point did I fever dream this or does Josh Gad pull treasure out of his ass
3: no you have it slightly wrong oh Josh Gad <laughs> this is something this is minor spoilers for <laughs> Artemis fall if you give a shit but jo- josh gad at one who plays a dwarf in this movie at one stage opens his mouth into a maw <laughs> and then
1: what's a maw builds
3: like a giant gaping <laughs> void like a horrifying image that was br- seared into my retina like straight out of like yeah, david it was Cronenberg. yeah that's
4: what i'm remembering now
3: that happened uh, and then <laughs> builds a tunnel into the house by by like eating the ground like a mole or something right uh, but like eats the dirt but then shits out the dirt,
4: right? That's what I'm as venturing. he's doing. It. That's yeah. what you're
3: remembering. So if you if
4: you if, if you if you can imagine
3: just like a dwarf Josh Gad like with mud coming out of his arse
4: also um, Josh Gad narrates the whole film from prison and again that was for, that, n-
3: for no reason that was
4: added in afterwards that was because,
3: a framing device that makes no sense but that was
4: added in after because the film made so little sense that they were like this will oh, actually also the film's
3: like 74 minutes long this, or something it's they like needed there's that. no film here there's nothing
4: <laughs> <I> yet, <know. laughs> yet it somehow feels like a hundred years if you watch it yet it took us four weeks to watch it and every Dave they'd be like Cathy we have to finish. Let's watch five Cloud. more minutes of we'll Archer. I'll be like, I will watch five minutes. We're literally timing it, and then we have to turn it off again. And the worst part is, there's some kid actors in here that I'm sure are good, and this movie did them dirty. And Kenneth Branagh is actually lousy. What you did to these kids, because this is their career and their livelihood and this is their know but they'd have been so
3: excited it's not fair yeah
4: and like it's funny because we and
3: look they did their absolute best they
4: did when we saw Tenet and Kenneth Branagh was in it I was like how dare you
3: (laughs) how dare you Ken
4: I don't care Kenneth Branagh was actually a really good actor in Tenet like everything about him was great but all I was thinking was you made Artemis founded you have the gall
3: <laughs> show, <laughs> show your, your face. face this year on a cinema screen how you
4: encapsulate you. everything that 2020 is it all went wrong and then it was just fucked onto a streaming service because no one cared about it <laughs> uh, yeah. but I have a close second okay go on and this is a film we actually saw in the cinema oh go on back in the glory days of January when we only had one child and I was about to give birth to the second, and we said let's have a family day out, and we went to see Paw Patrol: Ready, Race, Rescue. Was that this year? That was this year. Oh, wow. That was the okay. day before Elliot was born. Yeah. Um, my little sister, aka lockdown Izzy, also came with us. Though that wasn't when she lived with us. That was just you know when we used to casually meet people and do stuff with them.
3: And we and we did an episode on that. We did scroll back and a bit. The,
4: okay, first of all, you know when we were talking about um, be. What's the Pixar movie That you like Onward Onward And I was like It, it has such a special place For us Because it was like The first time We brought both boys To the cinema uh, Paw Patrol Ready Race Rescue Has a special place In my heart In that It was like The first movie Oscar Like as an old enough Kid to understand when to see in the cinema And it was 45 minutes long Which was a great duration For him And he was really happy But all of that aside It This cannot be called A movie It's a long 45 minutes 45 minutes, minutes right <laughs> For anyone who's seen Paw Patrol you know what Paw Patrol is, right? Imagine an episode—the thin plot of an of an episode of that drawn out by forty five minutes, and almost all the movie is just cars, like which are just ads for toys, just racing around the screen. Um, if you haven't seen Paw Patrol, it's an extremely popular kids' cartoon that we hate, and it's basically about five dogs who are like are controlled by this weird child. Six dogs. Six dogs, sorry, that are controlled by this weird child, and they go Marshall, and like
3: Rocky, Chase, Rubble, <laughs> Chase, Sky, Sky. We're on the way,
4: and they like go and rescue people, right? And it makes no sense, and why this child controls them is beyond me. The whole thing is an ad for toys. Uh, we speak as people who have Paw Patrol toys in their house and whose son plays with them every day. Oh, it's
3: yeah, our uh, he, Oscar's, obsessed Oscar's obsessed. with Obsessed, like, and as our yeah, so many. It's the thing is a phenomenon. It's clearly they've hit all the right. It's um unbelievable how kids, bad like, like,
4: like they should never have called it a movie it's unbelievable that that was called a <laughs> film um, I mean, and it actually had, we it had a
3: character arc let's not forget Marshall who is nominally the fire engine dog um, is like obsessed with becoming a racer but he uh, you know
4: spoilers for he's marshall quite, He's
3: quite nervous <laughs> and then yeah spoilers he eventually he becomes a racer because a racer was, and saves the day
4: whilst rescuing people yeah um and like it's so funny like the power of paw patrol like the other day we were in the car and oscar was crying and we put on the paw patrol theme song on spotify and we rocked out in the car
3: yeah we were we literally the spirits
4: the devil. worst thing about
3: it is that theme song yeah. is so annoying and it, and, and it catchy and it's it will be in your head forever
4: but I, I have Paw Patrol as my, my joint worst movie because it's just not a movie and I can't believe they called it a movie and I can't believe you know we all paid to go and sit in the cinema and watch it but Artemis Fowl is the thing that was most foul this year it has so much yeah. talent behind it it had so much money it's based on a pre-existing property and it's inexcusable and I would actually be Thrilled if anyone could email us or tweet us or whatever and I, actually tell I, us they liked it because I would be like, "Are you okay?
3: <laughs> I, is everything is everything okay?" Um, I think you're actually doing Paw Patrol: Ready Race Rescue a disservice by mentioning it in the same breath as well because Paw Patrol: Ready Race Rescue um, did exactly what it set out to do. It was a short, just to
4: sell toys movie.
3: To Um, longer version of the TV show. It took us us longer to walk home from the movie than it took us to watch the movie. It was on brand, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. Um, And I believe... Whereas Artemis Fowl, like you said, should have lived up to the potential of apparent potential of its source material and, you know, just wasn't... One of um, our uh, listener
4: theories was that, like, apparently Artemis Fowl himself, the young boy, is, like, a bit of a villain in the books and apparently Disney... Lost. No. Their nerve- sorry.
3: Apparently, he's not a bit of a villain in the book. That is the premise of the book. Well, I'm he's saying the world's greatest mastermind. But I'm
4: saying that apparently, the film Disney shied away and didn't want him being a villain in the end. Apparently, this is all hearsay. So therefore, that's why they cut out all the scenes where the boy was bad. So all we saw was the boy just moaning around doing nothing.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
4: and again, that's lousy on the kid because he probably did brilliantly in those villainous scenes. Like, because playing a villain is really fun, and just walking around being a child whose Basil exposition is no fun. Yeah. Um. Right. Right. We are going to listen, or Dave's going to read out what um, some of our lovely Twitter followers had to say. Yeah,
3: so so we asked you guys on uh, Twitter what your best and, and worst of the year uh, And I'm sorry, were. we
4: can't read them all out now because there's so many, but we have a thread on our Twitter if you want to go look at them.
3: Yeah, so we just picked out some of, uh, some of our favourites. Uh, AJ Black um, said his worst was Artemis Fowl. <laughs> and Project Power, which was that Netflix movie, um... With Joseph Gordon-Levitt And Jamie Foxx Where you could take a pill And get a superpower We we didn't watch it Never heard of it um, And he said the best Were Tenet uh, The Invisible Man And Possessor Which I really want to see And could have made my list um, Which is by David Cronenberg's son um, cool. And it's about like A face changing assassin <laughs> That's Sounds awesome, awesome. Okay,
4: Why didn't we watch that? Um
3: uh, Jack Navin. Uh, it's Jack Navin. Sorry, Jack. Jack, I do this every Jack year. Jack is
4: one of our patrons, but instead of sending us a voice note as you hear from our patrons at the end, he sent us a tweet. Jack, uh, explain yourself. So, <laughs> <it's shade.
3: laughs> uh, first, first, we get your name wrong, Jack again, and then she's. I never ending. get
4: his name wrong. Um,
3: right, so Jack said obvious choices for me, but best film, Parasite, slightly edging out Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and I still love and will defend Tenet too. Uh, as for worst film I don't particularly like picking a worst so I won't also I didn't see many bad films this year anyway
4: a lot of people saying that because like we and Dave and I were discussing it when you you often go to the cinema and can see a bad movie you'll sit through it first of all there was a lot less movies out this year and secondly when you're at home watching a bad movie you just turn it off Unlike Artemis Fowl, and you're trying to do a podcast in your are Yeah, but yeah, so you kind of—I don't think it sticks with you as much as like the assault on your senses of being in the cinema watching a bad movie. Oh, there's you-
3: nothing worse because you bloody paid for yeah, it as well, exactly. and and you want and you often like it's hard to walk out of a movie. The last one we did was Baywatch, right? But like yeah. most of the time, if you've paid for it, you, I, you you'll stick it out. um Shade Podcast, Uh, Lou said uh, her best was Rocks, no doubt because she uh, watched it with us. And yeah, again, we did
4: a whole review with Lou from Shade Podcast, which you can check out. But I'm really pleased she watched her best movie of the year with us, albeit remotely.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Daniel Crowley said the best was also Parasite. Uh, He said, so happy I got to see it at the start of the year in the cinema soul is a close second pixar just casually giving me an existential crisis at age 27
4: yeah it does that
3: he said the worst was lost girls i have zero recollection what happened in this movie and i think that says it all really (laughs) i haven't heard of lost girls
4: no but i'm enjoying the casual shade (laughs) (laughs)
3: sounds like it sounds like a real memorable one um at skent taylor said i revisited a lot of older movies with my kids brackets teens uh, which was very rewarding. That's yeah, something I'm personally looking forward to um, when our kids uh, get, grow out of Paw Patrol. Um, but he said, but as for 2020 movies, uh, the best that he saw were Host, Parasite, 1917, and Pam Springs. Host is an interesting one. Um that's that Shudder film, which is uh, set in the pandemic and a lockdown. Is *Palm Springs* really the one, one we
4: watched about all those swingers in California? I don't think. I so. don't think it
3: is. <laughs> 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 but thanks for outing ousting us for watching a *Swingers*. Uh, I can't remember uh, when what I was that? that. That was a terrible movie. Whatever. I can't that remember what it was. And he said the most disappointing was one we haven't seen yet: *Wonder Woman*. 1984. I'm hearing a lot of people get disappointed by that.
4: It's, I but is it also cuz they waited a year to see it like do you know the <laughs> yeah, I mean? the pressure yeah. on these movies is too much. Plus though. Wonder Woman
3: is was quite good and revered. I think it probably has a lot to live up to.
4: Yeah, for
3: sure. Um p- at picture and name um, said ben,
4: ben, one of our patrons again. Ben the hello of Ben. No, ben.
3: Um, and actually go check out um, his uh, website. He makes beautiful um, um, handmade uh, children's Names through like illustration. So it spells out their names in oh, we like, animals or something. We've got, movie We've got some movie ones for our kids. Yeah. Uh, and he does an amazing work. Uh, picture at uh, name. Uh, and he said the best were Parasite uh, and Wolfwalkers. Oh man, I really want to see Wolfwalkers. That's the Irish animation. I think. It's oh yes, I do want to see that. From the Secret of Kells. Guys. I nearly think the we Book need to. Kells.
4: We nearly need to get an Apple TV thing at this stage. Yeah, because
3: yeah. we want to watch Ted Lasso as mm-hmm. well. Um, he said he managed to see that in the cinema the day before Scotland locked down for winter, uh, but he didn't see enough movies this year to have a worst. I mean, I, this, isn't, this is this not a bad thing that yeah. none of us saw bad movies this year. Um, Catherine B said the best were Saint Maud and if streaming allowed then Borat streaming and
4: allowed Catherine if there was no streaming <laughs> streaming, we got no is, list.
3: streaming is 100% <laughs> allowed she <laughs> said Borat and the devil all the time and The Vast of Night.
4: We never saw Borat, actually. We kind of missed it and then just got No, we it. were
3: going to do an episode on it and then, yeah, But it's forgot. a kind of,
4: it's a funny thing. If it's you miss a of a Borat, flash pan kind even of thing. two weeks later, you're not going to watch it. Like,
3: But you know what also happened is that the, uh, Joe Trump Biden lost. won the election yeah. <laughs> and then it suddenly felt like, a, like a bit, a bit old news. Yeah. Um.
4: Also, we forgot to mention that was one of our highlights of 2020, of course.
3: Trump, Trump. not winning for me, rather than no, we just get to see if he elected. doesn't
4: believe. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um. Uh, worst she said were uh, she says I know Tenet is exceptionally well made with very charismatic actors but it made me feel thick and I'd have to watch it again to understand it Um,
4: yeah fair enough and it also leaves you feel very cold doesn't it Tenet like
3: yeah he gets he gets accused of uh, being uh, being quite cold one uh, one uh, brilliant tweet I have to give a shout out to, to Chris Hewitt uh, king king of Twitter and who usually contributes he's to he's usually on this episode end of years. and as
4: we say we forgot um, to ask him
3: but Chris had a brilliant tweet which was a lot of people um, a lot of people accuse Christopher Nolan of producing cold films but I'll never forget the single tear that rolled up my cheek as I watched ten It
2: was very good cool. um,
3: <laughs> and Catherine B also said uh, sorry I forgot one host another for host she said a great year for horror I'll agree with you there Catherine and she said brackets, sorry Cathy I know you don't like horror that's
4: really nice of you Catherine to be so considerate
3: um, Sophie Cookson said the best was definitely Saint Maud Oh, I really want to see Saint Maud uh, no
4: I'm over it now you know when too many people have recommended some things like Parasite and then you just think I won't like it and then you will
3: no I think oh it sounds like I should see that <laughs> what's wrong with you do you not know who recommendations were <laughs> too many people have said that's good so I can't watch it <laughs> uh, she said best for St. Maud, which was also one of the three cinema visits I managed yeah about the same for us I think um, the final scene still haunts me months on mm-hmm. ooh ooh sounds interesting um, she said the worst is hard this year as I don't think we have had anything truly terrible well she doesn't have she a Disney Plus subscription
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, Jack Croxall hi Jack hi, uh, says happy new year uh, my best host no, a lot of lot of lot of love for hosts. And, and you know, that's only like sixty something minutes long.
4: Wow, that okay. is, I, I, I like, think we
3: gotta sign up to Shudder. I like the
4: sound of that um, duration.
3: So much fun, so scary and incredible how fast Shudder got it out.
4: And Jack's a filmmaker.
3: Yes, he is, yeah. yeah. We watched one of his shorts this year which we tweeted about. Um yeah. and he said my worst was the hunt. Not terrible, but the satire, humour, and horror was nothing like as good as I was hoping. Bit of a missed opportunity. That was that one about uh uh, liberal people Hunting conservatives Or the other way around Literally Great <laughs> right, right, I can't right remember what options. it was <laughs> um, Mike Duggan, uh, Hi, Duggan Our old friend from Ireland Hi Mike Another uh,
4: patron The patrons were supposed To be sending us yeah. voice notes Look you at got, them Well we do have voice notes From the patrons at We the do end. At the end you'll hear Voice notes from yeah. the other patrons
3: <laughs> Um Mike say, or Duggan, as we know him, uh, said he really enjoyed 1917 and Greyhound was good. I don't know what Greyhound is. We need Let's look to. that up. Um, he said the worst by far was Tenet. Shocking stuff.
4: Tenet's a 50-50. Yeah, though. I love how many ride.
3: people either had it as their best or worst. But it's
4: funny because I had it in my top five, but I didn't even like really like it that much. It's such a weird movie. Yeah. It's so many really good things and, and so many awful things.
3: <laughs> <Goodbye>. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I, think I want to give it another watch uh, to kind of reassess it. Uh Mike Reed said I feel I felt quite let down by Tenet wasn't awful but certainly not up to the caliber I expect from Nolan.
4: Well much like Mom was.
3: Um Charlie at Weedon uh, Charlotte uh, said the worst is certainly a toss up between Tenet and the New Mutants which I completely forgot actually got released I wish year. we'd seen the New Mutants purely yeah, for I our I don't list. sounds like it's, sounds like so it's a be it of
4: shite be as, it can't be as bad as Artemis Fowl
3: no nothing can um, <laughs> we should actually make it the benchmark every every year from here on out was it worse than Artemis Fowl on
4: a scale of bad to foul <laughs> oh, F-O-W-L nice.
3: Um, and Charlie said the best, I think it counts as a 2020 release, was Parasite. It captivated it me from start <laughs> to finish. Yeah, well, we're clearly counting it. Um, Umar Motani said the best, Promising Young Women, Wolf of Snow Hollow, Kajillionaire, The Kid Detective, Save Yourselves, Unpregnant, and Spontaneous. Oh
4: my God, Umar, you've seen. So many more movies than we have. Yeah,
3: and Umar, you are clearly more of a cinephile than than I am because I haven't even heard of any of them. <laughs> so, Kajillionaire kind of like,
4: I've seen a trailer for. I've that.
3: heard of Kajillionaire So at uh, these sound like really <laughs> movies, we I'm going to take uh, save this tweet and uh, and um, catch up on some of these. He said, uh, but I have heard of your guilty pleasures. He said guilty pleasure, or he or she, sorry, said uh, guilty pleasures. We can be heroes, uh, which just came out on Netflix. That's a Shark Boy and Lava Girl sequel and Hubie Halloween
4: <laughs> oh my god that's the Adam
3: Sandler thing we watched
4: it? we were like we're gonna do Hubie Halloween again desperation for the podcast and we watched the trailer and we're like we just can't just can't do it 2020 is hard enough we can't watch Hubie Halloween on so
3: top of Umar amazing to have such a highbrow list and Hubie Halloween <laughs> in the same tweet <laughs> very impressive um, and then um, uh, MS at Def said uh, best films 2020 Tenet Truly innovative, mind-time-bending cinema with plot holes. But, wow. Uh, And Wonder Woman 1984. Gal still kicking a misogynist butt with Crispy committing 84 fashion crimes. Uh, And that's all I saw in this weird anti-cinema year. Well, great that you actually got to a cinema.
4: An emoji of someone with a mask over their face.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So, thank you, all of you, and uh, to everyone else who wrote in that we didn't have time for... um, thank you um sounds like tenet is a uh, completely divisive <laughs> and a uh, host is a, a much must watch yeah if you like horror uh
4: and now we wanted to talk about uh, something we don't normally do at all this end of year roundup but like most of you we all watched a lot of movies at home and like old movies partially for comfort partially because there wasn't a lot out in our case we were watching um a lot of old movies for our patreon where we do a retro film every month, and we have so much fun because uh, the topic or the theme is suggested by our patrons. So, for example, someone will say, like, a movie that spans decades as a suggestion, and we'll pick that. Which was that. our
3: latest one. Which was our
4: latest one. And then all the patrons will suggest what movie should go in there. And then that most recent one, for example, Movies that Span Decades, Interview with the Vampire, was the winner, and we watched that, which was like such a fun movie to watch last month. Um, so it kind of helps us because you know that dilemma where every month you're like what like all every saturday night or wherever you're at home trying to pick a movie you're like what will we watch and you could yeah. just infinitely surf. We have
3: outsourced so we've outsourced
4: our, all that work and then we such a laugh watching them and then we do like fun facts every month and we just love it it's like is i i really would say this is not a plug to make people subscribe our patreon has like been one of the happiest things this year for me it's such a nice bunch of people we feel like we know everyone from all the comments and the submissions and we have such a laugh recording them and then like every month with um when my little sister elizabeth lived with us locked in lizzie it was really joyous because the old movies we watched usually we've seen them but she hadn't cause she's a lot younger than us and um, and to that end my absolute favorite retro watch of the year had to be face off yeah but, we watched Face
3: Off with Lizzie who would never <laughs> seen it before and didn't know what it was about. She
4: didn't even know the premise of <laughs> Face Off guys, and she hates Nicolas Cage.
3: This is, It was the perfect storm. I cannot <laughs> recommend watching... I cannot recommend enough cry and watch Face Off with someone who doesn't know what Face Off is about <laughs> and watch watch the realisation on and their face. <laughs>
1: specifically
4: someone who's doing a PhD in biology um, because she then was like obsessive about the science of it all as well <laughs> yeah. so much so that we always do one of us will do fun facts every month but we made Elizabeth go off and do the fun facts and she came back with all these incredible scientific facts about it but honestly the moment when Elizabeth said oh my god are they going to swap faces <laughs> and just watching it like what a movie like it really holds up oh like, god it's so much fun John Travolta is so fun as a baddie you don't yeah. often see it and Nicholas Cage is just at his peak absolutely Bananas, Nicolas Cage, and the plot of the movie is ridiculous.
3: That's great. I saw another great tweet recently where somebody said, um, "This Christmas during lockdown, spare a thought for the Archer family from Face Off who can't do their usual greeting." In other words, the weird, creepy face thing, like, where they you rub their hand over someone's like face. like when
4: John Travolta's <laughs> in Nicolas Cage's body. now I'm so sorry spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen the Face Off, like Elizabeth. But um, when John, when when john travolta who's like the goody goes into Nicolas cage's body uh, body who's like the baddie and then but nicholas but of course john travolta's wife realizes who it is when Nicolas cage just like rubs his fingers down her eyelids and down her face and then the weirdest part is after we watch face off dave went off and did that to our baby a <laughs> 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 anyway elizabeth we have to give you a special shout out on this episode we love you to bits we loved when you lived with us thank yeah. you for contributing earlier on in the episode and um honestly it was a privilege uh for us to have Elizabeth live with us for almost four months this year what a laugh we had with her um she's the I really miss her I like all that um and we you know she was a
3: great housemate and a great uh, uh guest regular guest on the podcast
4: oh she was amazing and like even one of our themes one month was like uh it was just like early nineties movies because we realized Elizabeth hadn't seen any. Is that a League 90s. of Their Own? And we watched League of Their Own. Elizabeth just didn't had no knowledge of early nineties classics. It was amazing. Yeah. Um. So Elizabeth, we miss you. Thanks for contributing. You are here in spirit with us because you are the third member of the cinema. Anyone who listened to us this year will have one hundred percent heard Elizabeth on the podcast. Um. She also is a patron, so she has to pay every month for the benefit of listening to her own episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um. Dave, what was your top? Retro watch watching?
3: My year? my top one was wasn't one of our. Um, Patreon watches um, even though we did some great ones but it's actually um, one we did release on the, the on the main feed for our um, what was it 200th episode episodes. oh episodes? Yeah
4: our original plans for 200th episode have been like a massive live show you know we all, <laughs> yeah, all we were, actually it
3: started to organise yeah, it and everything all and these it.
4: dreams and then it was <laughs> no fuck it let's just watch two retro <laughs> movies and walk around the block and talk yeah, about them
3: maybe for so I picked maybe number 300 we'll get there
4: I picked a league of their own for Dave because no, David no, never Thelma watched and it Sorry, I picked Talman Louise because Dave never watched it and then he picked Aliens because I'd never watched that's it
3: that's right yeah. and my choice is Talman and Louise because I Whoa. that's a
4: cracking
3: movie um, You're
4: welcome. I introduced you. To yeah,
3: it. no, no, and I I'd never seen it before, and it it is just like top notch from start to finish. It's like um, it's just a really fun road movie. Susan Sarandon and and Je- um, Jenna uh, what's her what name? Uh, Gina Davis are just sizzling. Both oh my god, of god, they're, they're just incredible. on fire. And we, we this. watch
4: this back to back with a League of Their Own. Yeah, <laughs> like which Gina she's, Davis it, she's also a, really great. In. Yeah.
3: Um, I don't love a league of their own as much as you do, but it's a lot of fun. But the Thelma and Louise is just incredibly well it's written. Something special, yeah. It is something special. You
4: see why it's such a classic.
3: It's a like a really powerful feminist um, piece of work. Yeah, um, it's really it powerful. feels kind of out of time and also uh, very forward thinking in a way. Um, and it's quite and it's quite bittersweet and tragic, and it's got that sort of bonnie and Clyde, Clyde outlaw vibe to it it's kind of anti-establishment it's uh and it's just like looks awesome as well like ridley scott when he gets a good script is it's like americana awesome. on screen
4: yeah and yeah. the fashion like everything about oh my god a young brad pitt like come on are you joking me that yeah. he used to look like that He's super sexy yeah um it's incredible uh brad so, pitt yeah. and gina davis's sex scene is like it's up there yeah it's, it's incredible. quite
3: something and
0: so,
4: apparently uh, was this was one of the fun facts we had but you know I'll give it to you now you don't have to go and listen to the episode apparently Gina Davis <laughs> insisted that she film the sex scene with Rabbit <laughs> yeah, which of course. like who can blame you <laughs> honestly Um, but what a year it's been Dave I genuinely enjoyed being locked in with you this year oh thanks um, me too I wouldn't have wanted to do with anyone except you and of course Elizabeth Um, it's been a tough year obviously Dave mentioned he lost his dad this year we also had you know, our, the, birth, the birth of our son Elliot this year, which was incredible. We've been very lucky to live in our nice house and have our lovely kids and all be together. Albeit, of course, you know, we, we now know too much about each other and <laughs> more than anyone ever needs to know, like, when your partner's going to the toilet, what your partner's had for breakfast, what, what? your partner's Where had you for lunch, with this? what your partner's had for dinner. There's a you know There's just a lot of Incidental information Rolling around in my head I can't believe you're
3: Finishing the year And our podcast On talking about me Going to the toilet That's what, That's where this is going
4: It's not going anywhere (laughs) Um, But thank you everyone For listening to us And sticking with us This year when we uh, Clearly have had Very little to talk about
3: yeah, we do appreciate... We really do appreciate everybody continuing yeah. to listen and to it was, whatever, it, whatever dreck we managed It kept us sane.
4: Like, it really kept us sane. yeah. Like, particularly in that really... Um, the heady days of, of March, April, May when you were, like, weren't even really allowed out of your house and, like, just to exercise. And, like, our, our release and, like, for our mental health and, like, for a time as a couple was to leave the kids with Elizabeth and us just walk around the block yeah. and talk about movies. And it, like... It I, just it brought saved a my sense life. of...
3: Um, it brought a sense of normalcy back for us and a
4: lot of people were messaging us saying like thank you so much for doing the podcast because it like makes me feel normal listening to you guys talk shit walking around the block about something
3: yeah and look if that's the least that's literally like the least we could do for everybody and and i'm glad that um it was able to help and i personally have found similar comfort from um podcast and youtube shows that i like so um, look we're gonna you know yeah. we're, we're sticking with we're this wrong. despite the fact that cinemas aren't gonna <laughs> open anytime soon we're gonna um, you know we're gonna we're commit we love doing this we love chatting to you guys uh, on twitter at the cinema and um, you know
4: what if you like us all we ask is that you head over to wherever you listen to um, podcasts subscribe subscribe and rate us, we would absolutely be thrilled if you especially if you listen on um Apple Podcasts, because that's just like the currency of podcasting. If you could leave us a review and subscribe, we'd really appreciate yeah. it. And um, but on to, as we said, our special bunch of patrons. Um here are audio clips from some of them on their best and worst movies of the year. And thank you guys for supporting us this year. And as we said, we had so much fun on Patreon this year. We also um donate about 50% of the money we get from Patreon to various charities um every month we make donations and in december we donated all of our money to action for children we also donated all of our money um in august um to cancer charities in honor of dave's dad and we also donated all of our money another month to other charities <laughs> i've forgotten what they were now but we're always donating Detail. to all the charities it's all written in there it's all written in there uh, and
3: if you'd like to join that uh lovely bunch of people and they really are uh, a top bunch the um you go to, jeez, I'm, I'm struggling. Patreon. You go to Patreon.com forward slash the Cinemile. It's called the Cinemile High Club, uh, and you can uh, join up there for two or three dollars a month.
4: Yeah, retro movie reviews and like tons of lots of, of TV lots of reviews. Of TV. And
3: just quick reminder as well, our TV ep- episode is live. If you want to yeah. listen to our best TV, and there was the let's face it, the TV was better. TV than, was a lot better this, this year. The That's this
4: live year. on the feed right yeah. now. Um, and here are our patrons. Patrons
3: patrons
4: here are our patrons here are our
3: patrons on patreon (laughs) all right happy new year everybody and look hope you're all well stay safe and we'll see you as always every week on the (laughs) cinema
4: and this is brona here from patreon and from real life and my favorite movie of 2020 was uncut gems which i just thought was a really unique and excellent movie with adam sandler
2: um, just really funny and dark and original and really entertaining. Um, my worst movie of 2020, I'm going to say, is Love Wedding Repeat. Um, just because I'm a big rom-com fan and I have such a low bar, and yet this was really just a baffling storyline with uh, wasted performances from a lot of good actors. Um, so that's it. Thanks a million for all the episodes in 2020 and for keeping us laughing, and can't wait for more in
4: 2021.
7: Hello! Hello. It's Neil. And Kate. From the... States. (laughs) (laughs) We are here with our best and worst movies of 2020. My best movie is The Lodge. Uh, It has everything I want. It has a creepy cult, creepy kids, unreliable narrator, isolation horror, everything... awesome about it and my second favorite movie is color space it's just a very unique and fun to watch movie neil what's your best movie
3: i don't really have a best of 2020 um the only good things i saw were movies from 2019 from people's best of lists from last year
0: um but my worst of 2020 is gretel and hansel yeah mine too I mean, it it had good cinematography, but that's about it.
7: Yeah, I was I was really excited for it. Like dark fairy tale is my complete aesthetic, and it let me down big time. There was no plot, and it was just terrible. <laughs> it was yeah, terrible. It just
0: kind of fell flat, I think.
1: So. Yeah.
7: So thanks, guys. We love you.
0: Hello, Kathy and Dave, and fellow cinephiles. It is emergency planning and part-time Gerard Butler consultant Nick. Favourite movie of 2020 for me was, uh, I mean, there was hardly a smorgasbord to choose from, but I did genuinely love Invisible Man. I thought it was disturbing. I was disturbed watching it. I was disturbed after it. I will watch it again to disturb myself, no doubt. Um, Really uh, recommend it. Uh, I thought it was brilliant. Worst movie I can't think of any, which means that they just got switched off and forgotten about, frankly, um, or they weren't released. Um, but biggest disappointment of 2020, I have to say, is Mulan. Um, I was really looking forward to a bit of an epic, but then I just got really turned off by the politics and controversies, and it all got a bit Disney and a bit ugh. uh So... Didn't watch it, didn't plan to watch it, which is a shame because... Uh, so, yeah, I really, I'm just going to have to wait for Gerard Butler's next instalment um, for a decent movie to come along. I look forward to it, as I'm sure you all do.
7: Hi, Kathy and Dave and all the film fans out there in the cinemaile movie-verse. This is Ronan here, long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, my favourite movie of 2020 was The Invisible Man starring Elizabeth Moss who's very good at looking very scared and nervous. Um, And it made me scared and nervous and I really enjoyed the movie. Um, My most hated movie of 2020 was the Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga and Will Ferrell's continuously repetitive jokes over the last decade. Um, I'm very tired of seeing his face and I never want to see it again. Love the show and hope to catch more episodes in twenty twenty one.
1: Hello, Dave and Kathy. Sam here from the ninety minutes or less film fest and the holiday season podcasts. Thank you for an excellent year of podcasting. Uh, you guys have uh, have really helped keep me sane. I've been loving the Patreon specials. I've been loving the regular pod. I've been loving watching along from my sofa. My favorite film of the year is probably David Byrne's American Utopia, directed by Spike Lee. Basically, the ultimate concert film. I think every song is an absolute banger. Whether you like David Byrne and the Talking Heads or not, I think you'll get along with this film. Beautifully filmed by Spike Lee, and in a year where we have not been able to go to see live music, this is a much-needed tonic. It's available now on streaming and on DVD and Blu-ray. Highly, highly recommend it. Very cinematic. I loved it. A film I did not love is The Prom, directed by Ryan Murphy, available on Netflix, starring nicole kidman meryl streep but james corden it's a real shame there is talent in the cast and i think there is maybe one good song but as a musical nut i was uh, really disappointed by this didn't like it at all and i thought james corden was horribly miscast avoid avoid avoid
2: hi cathy and dave this is laura from dublin Uh, my best movie has to be jojo rabbit from back in january hadn't seen much of Taika Waititi's work before, so I loved his whimsical but intelligent approach to World War II. It was really well cast, and there's some great one-liners, and I left feeling like my brain had been tickled in a good way, if that makes sense. Uh, My worst movie is Tenet, which I feel bad for saying because it was so nice to see a new movie and be back in the cinema after five months of nothing. But while it's nice to be challenged, I found it so hard to follow in certain parts, particularly the battle scene, that it took away from it. If a movie is good, you should get more out of it on a rewatch, but you shouldn't have to rewatch it just to try and piece it together in the first place. Thanks for all the entertaining podcasts this year. Happy New Year!
7: Everybody was kung
1: fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. But they fought.